This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello everyone and welcome to week 12 of Pints and Politics UK sponsored by Big Heads Media. It's Adam and Johnny here, and we uh, are, well, great to, great to have you listening to us today. How's it going today, Johnny? Um, it's been better. <laughs> yeah. We actually... As you... Yeah. <laughs> Go on. No, no, I was going to say, we already had a butchered, butchered introduction to this, so we're starting again. Adam can't bully me this time around. However, I will inform everyone that I have a lisp as a result of my orthodontic treatment. Probably not due to the braces, but due to the expander at the top of my mouth. The third podcast this week, if you thought it was bad now, then I encourage you to go back to one of my earlier podcasts, but only one of those is available. So you have to wait for the other one. And then in three weeks time, when I've lost the lisp, that will be there to remind you that I had it already. There you go. So if you fancy a cheap laugh and listen to a northerner <laughs> struggle through a mouthful of metal, yeah. And you know exactly where to go to. Yeah, so welcome yeah. to this week's uh, politics and oh, pints and politics podcast. Yeah. And I can still say that. Story, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, our first story that we'll be discussing this week is the death of His Royal Highness Prince Philip. Mm. Now, Johnny, yeah. what have you got lined up for us? Well, what's the first point you wanted to raise? On this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. First of all, I know there was a lot of um, there was a lot of he, he was a polarizing character, wasn't he? In, in society, he many people liked him, many people weren't a big fan of him. What I thought was nice that was that is that when he did when he did pass away, the majority of people were unanimous in their support of him in terms of um, wishing him. Um, you know, wishing his wishing the royal family well. They were they were recollecting about some of the funnier moments in his life, and to be honest, I appreciated that. I half expected a lot of nasty trolling on social media, bringing up the faults of the man as opposed to some of the good things that he's done um, during his long tenure in royal in the as, with his royal service. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that the majority of the messages that I did see across all so- social media were in support of the royal family and were and were paying, I think, the right amount of respect to a man that served all, the majority of his life in the in the royal family. Yes, I, I would agree. Um, he is the well, he was the longest uh, serving consort in history. He mm. was um, married to the Queen for a whopping 73 years, yeah. which I think is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that, that that's an achievement within itself. And I think you're quite right in saying that, yes, um, as a grandfather, a father, a great-grandfather, yeah. a husband, um, a friend, um, to many people, uh, it is a loss to them and yeah. condolences to the family. However, you saying yourself that the majority of the reaction of the British public was positive, 
which I agree to uh, agree with to a degree. Yeah. However, um, his life was not without no. its controversies, um, including his uh, some remarks which were uh, interpreted as racist, yeah. uh, misogynistic, sexist, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. However, we're talking about a bloke here that is. 90 was 99 yeah. years old he'd yeah. served in the second world war he'd seen more presidents uh come and go than most people have in current history you know yeah. um you know he was a man of of, a, of many eras periods and time um however was still victim of the most offcom complaints yeah in history yeah his obituary was what over a hundred thousand yeah. Ofcom complaints, and for no, people who are unfamiliar with Ofcom is, yeah. Ofcom is like the media police. Yeah, they are those who deal with um, complaints from the general public yeah. in regards to the content and conduct of said media yeah. presence. We used, um, we used to adhere to Ofcom regulations on student radio. Um, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite we right. so didn't, yeah. We sure didn't get warned for calling ourselves no. Ofcom's nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's what we kind of thought. But we did adhere to them. We did adhere to those regulations. We, not once did we ever break Ofcom rules. No. Um, but, but yeah. So what's your opinion on the fact that 100,000, and let me give a bit of context here. Yeah. Um, all of BBC channels, including radio mm. channels, were dedicated to Prince Philip on the day yeah. of his death. So yeah. Everything was cancelled. Yeah. Um, this was something that was widespread across some of, I think it was Channel 7, Channel 5, um, ITV 1, 2, 3 maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Channel yeah. 4 didn't, but et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. there was over 100,000 um, yeah. Ofcom complaints in regards to the shows they missed that day due yeah. to Duke of Edinburgh's death. Yeah. So what's your opinion on that? Yeah, um yeah, uh, well, there was, there was something you were sort of touching on there. I'm sure we'll get on to his controversies a little bit, but because I'd like to sort of balance out those a little bit with my yeah, own of kind course. of viewpoint. But with regards to this, uh, yeah, I, I, it was a hard one because I watched a bit of the coverage and I thought it was quite, you know, illuminating uh, on his life. So a lot, a lot of the things I didn't know. Granted, I don't follow royal life day by day, but I, you know, it was still educational to me. I thought it was quite interesting to see a bit more be- behind the man himself. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of those complaints came in because the coverage was on a loop almost. Uh, lots of it was repeated. It covered the whole day, and yeah, it, it's a difficult one. I think I can understand why they did it. I think it was important to have special shows dedicated for that day. Um, I think a a fair complaint was, why are BBC One and BBC Two basically showing the same thing? Shouldn't there be an alternative viewing for people? So, for example, if someone wanted to watch EastEnders and they'd already seen enough or didn't really want to watch the coverage of uh, the tribute to Prince Philip... Because not all BBC British too. people are yeah. royalists. No, are they? Sure. Not, not every person is for the royal family. And yeah. I think this is what the BBC forgot. But sorry, yeah. continue. No, I, I basically, yeah, I, I'm sort of in agreement. I can see why, and it's not just the BBC, other other companies did follow suit and 
particularly the main five channels. Even Channel Four did put quite a lot of coverage on that, but then they then they flipped it a bit and they they mixed it about. They had the tribute, they had the shows as well. Um, yeah, I think with the BBC's point of view, I know that was a point raised, and I kind of agree. Why does the same thing have to be shown, or virtually the same thing have to be shown on two channels? Um, what would have made more sense was to scrap BBC Two's coverage or pick the best out of one and two, put that onto BBC Two and keep BBC One running uh, with a tribute going through the night or going through the day. Um, because, again, you know, he was a very key figure in the royal family, as you say. Uh, I think you said the long, do you say the longest serving, Adam, uh, member of the... Uh, longest serving consort yeah. in history. So the, 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 they were right to put the, the tribute in although I can understand why some people thought it was a little bit frustrating. Like you say, not everyone's a royalist. Not everyone should be forced to have this, you know, it's, it's the freedom of, ex- freedom of expression, freedom of choice. It would have made sense to be a bit more flexible, particularly on the BBC's part. Prince Philip on BB1, alternative on BB2. That seems like a fair point. And uh, I think reading said articles about the Ofcom complaints yep. reflected the same sort of narrative. Mm. Um, however, although Adam, when you know, I mean, the Netflix, there's other streaming services. I mean, come on, people, yeah, use technology. Come on, exactly. And that was my next point. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you know, you're talking about a bloke here that's lived. Well, he was he was in his approaching his hundredth year. You know, yeah. he had seen 100 years he just hadn't completed that in age yeah you know this bloke is living history yeah. you know he yeah. was you know he's, he's experienced a very unique life you know a mm. very you know when it comes to history and if you're interested in that sort of thing then it's invaluable you know like his experience and and i think a lot of people forgot that this bloke is still a human. Yeah, yeah. Part of a family. Still, yeah. you know, served as a husband for. Yeah. One of the, you know, um, the, one of the the most recognised matriarchs in yeah. the world. Yeah. Globally, and has done. And Christ, they've, they've seventy three years of marriage. That that's incredible. And that's I feel like a lot. Of, you know, and let's be honest, they are societal figures. They are famous. They are celebrity. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not your know, average Joe in that respect. Yeah. So in that regard, I'm like very much, well, pay the guy some respect. Yeah, I, no. I agree, you know. I, I say the BBC Two thing because for a, for a corporation to have the same stream on two channels, it does seem a little bit, but from their point of view, they're probably thinking, well, um, you know, we want to be firm with our message. We don't want to offer a choice. We feel it should be like this. And we've just said the streaming service alternative – what exactly. I get, what I guess the complaints come from is maybe people who have poor Wi-Fi or don't have internet access or aren't comfortable with internet access. Maybe, maybe all the people who aren't who aren't as, however, at the same time when we talk about that, the older people are more probably more likely to have sympathies with Philip. But I'll be honest with you, mate. I yep. think it's like I think uh, I applaud your benefit of the doubt when it comes to you know poor wi-fi poor technology etc etc yeah, yeah. i generally just come i think it just comes down to the fact that people generally don't give a crap about the royal family and yeah. were genuinely naffed when master chef final was moved a week onwards yeah yeah and i, and I genuinely believe that, that was the case they were like yeah. who's this bloke i don't care who he is yeah. i want to see who's got the yeah. best creme this week well you know what I, 
go on, carry on. No, I was just going to say, and you know what? That's a fair narrative. For It is a fair narrative yeah. because for a lot of people, the programme they see at the end of the day is the most, or one of the most important elements of their lives. Yeah. You know, everyone lives for that extracurricular activity, that leisure, that relaxation, and to have that taken away for you and given to someone else that they don't really know nothing about, then, you know, the it creates a divide in society and understand where these complaints came from. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the criticisms of Philip, which are quite obvious, um, I don't think he ever claimed to be Mother Teresa, you know. Uh, no, he never claimed to have ever been politically correct. Did he? No. What I would say, though, is two things. One, and you've touched on it, product of his time. He's 99 years old. You know, yeah. this guy's he's a century through, old. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's almost a century old. He's gone through, he's lived through two, no, he's lived through the Second World War. He's, he's served also, I think. Uh, he served as a Navy yeah. lieutenant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's a Navy lieutenant. Um, as you say, he's been married for a heck, a heck of a long time. And so many generations ahead of, ahead of us or behind us, I don't know which way that works. But he's, either way, massive generational gap. And when you're in the royal family, you do not have a ground view, I don't think, of society's progressive movement because you're in a, you're in your own little no. bubble with yeah. other people in that bubble who probably have similar thoughts and feelings at his age. The, the people who he talks to at his age probably have similar thoughts and feelings to him. And that's how it goes. And I would say as well, and this was a point I didn't even think about, but I, sh- I should have done. People who call him out for saying things that aren't too politically correct You've got to think this guy's every word and every act is almost publicised. Even when he doesn't think it is being, it's publicised. Yeah. We don't have that with our lives. And if we did, what would other people react to what we've said in our own, in, in the comfort of our own homes without the microphone there? I know for a fact that I couldn't say that I'm a, I'm a squeaky clean, you know... I don't think never anyone... No. Exactly. I don't think anyone in their right mind can sit there and say that no, they never offend anything, aren't offend anything. Yeah, I think it was Judith Butler who said that. Yeah, somebody is always discriminating against another person by virtue sure. of their own narrative. Yeah, and that could be you know anything about anything. And the thing so, is, yeah, the I thing is, Adam, as well, Prince Philip. I know he is in this position, but he's not maybe a politician who's leading the country and doing all these speeches well, every he's single not a day. Is no. He? He's not He's trying to get elected. He exactly. to He's yeah, not he trying to, to get elected. He's not trying to uh, control the discourse of our country. In fact, the majority of the time, he stays away from the media. He said he didn't like interviews. So I'm willing to cut the guy a bit of slack. If he was born and he would say he was, I don't know, still living now when he was 35, no, it's not acceptable. He needs to be told. But the fact is, he was 99. He was stuck in a bubble that was largely segregated from the rest of society. He would have talked to the same kind of people all of the time. And I can cut him a bit of slack where moderate lefties would probably be rinsing him to his final day, I think. Yeah. And if I could just say one sort of thing in defence of the moderate lefties is his narrative wasn't time appropriate. His comments were rude. Yeah. In cases, his comments were racist in mm. cases yeah they were misogynistic oh, yeah. in cases you know there is no denying that this bloke had said things that were 
not PC. But then yeah. again, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not um, defending those comments. No. They were wrong. Yeah. You know, simple yeah. as. Oh no. However, yeah. Um, you know, I think we touched on the similar sort of feeling when it came to Winston Churchill. Yeah. Because of the position and what they represented mm-hmm. in history, mm-hmm. you know, there is this begrudging sort of um, obligation to show respect. Yeah. That. Um, and I think it was Prince William in one of the BBC interviews that put it in, in, in the sort of narrative that I understood it most from. And, 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 he, and he just basically said, um, I think they call him Grandpapa. I'm, I'm not entirely yeah, sure yeah, what the yeah, aristocratic yeah. terminology is. Yeah. However, he said, Grandpapa, um, he would have wanted the first, he'd have wanted us just to get on with it. Yeah. And I think that is just a reflection of him as a person, isn't it? It yeah. was a period of British Great Britain. It was a stiff upper lip. You got on with it. And, yeah, opinions weren't what we'd call mainstream in today's uh, no. politics. And I don't think much had changed in the last no. 50 years. So in that respect, I suppose, you know, rest in peace and, yeah. you know, thoughts with the family. Because at the end of the day, you know, I could sit here and I think most people could sit here. Yeah. Brexit is the same case study we always go to. If we judge Prince Philip as the same way we judged our own grandparents, we'd all start drawing very uncomfortable lines with the things we disagree with. Because of product of time, of product of environment, product of opinion, it it all comes back to nature nurture. And sometimes, you know, it's 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 non-negotiable. That was really well put. Really well put. I was just gonna say, like you said. If he was a 38-year-old man now and he was still living and he was in the royal family and he was saying what he said, it's a completely different narrative. Completely different narrative. I, I, I think, like, and, and I do agree with you because, you know, I think I, I read a book by um, Women Don't Are You Pretty, uh, by Florence Given called Women Don't Are You Pretty. Mm-hmm. And one of her main points in, you know, one of her you know, earlier chapters in the book was to argue that it was our responsibility as a younger generation to say no to the older generation on non-PC matters or non-PC narratives, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I didn't particularly agree with the narrative. Mm. Like, I, I agree that we were all in a position to say, no, that that is wrong. Mm. You should be thinking this way. But mm. uh, surely, you know, as a philosophy student, there's a time and there's a characteristic, there's, mm. there, there's, there's some sort of period where you just can't change that narrative. It is too rooted. Yeah, you know, and I think this is what people need to remember when they remember Prince Philip. He was a hundred-year-old man, <laughs> you know, who'd seen more history. You know, he'd seen the twentieth to the twenty-first century. Mm. You know, and mm. mm. um, yeah, I think that's where I settle on that matter personally. Sorry, I think, I think we're both settled on this on in the same yeah. position. Really, I think we both got the exact same opinion. We've just phrased it in slightly different ways. I think. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. And rest in peace, Prince Philip. Uh, yeah, rest in peace. And um, all the best to the Queen and her family. So. His funeral will be on the day that this podcast comes out, on the Saturday. Will it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, Interesting. yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, that's uh, that's the main story. Well, it's actually split into two this week, but I've thrown the other one to the debate. Um, other stories... Sure. Is, yeah, other What's stories... What's up next? Go on, Johnny. What's up Yeah, just, just brief stories, really. Just a few news, a few brief ones. Um so Boris Johnson 
Boris Johnson has said. Johnson. Boris yes, Johnson, yes, that's what yes, Johnny that's trying to say. Yeah, Boris yeah. Johnson. Thank you, thank Go you. On. I'm glad you didn't point that out. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> Boris Johnson has said that lockdowns are more effective than the vaccine for counteracting the coronavirus, and everyone was losing their minds. However, um, what I would say to, about this comment, I think it might be a bit tactful from Boris Johnson. He's seeing the vast swathings of the pop of the public gathering together in large groups recklessly ignoring the advice laid out on the roadmap and i wouldn't be surprised if this was a tactful way of trying to say remember guys we are a long way from getting this sorted vaccines aren't going to do it in themselves we need a bit more cooperation yeah agreed yeah i think he's made so many mistakes <laughs> over the last year and a half, that he really has to cover his ass now, doesn't he? Like, everything that happens, he seriously needs to make sure that he is covering his ass because we've all seen the the, the, the pictures of, you know, um, Concert Square, Liverpool, yeah. St. Thomas's Street in Manchester, yeah. Clapham in, you know, London, Hyde Park. You know, it's completely swamped with people yeah, yeah so when when and if and we've said this from the start we yeah, said we're not yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. ready till 2022 so i think i'm quite comfortable in this narrative of saying that <laughs> yeah. when the next wave happens which it will yeah and it will target those you know parts that are, are currently not vaccinated mm-hmm. you know um it will hit hard and people will be pissed off and asking why and he'll be able to go to this footnote mm. and, you know, appeal his point. And I think you're completely right with that narrative, Johnny. I've got not much, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think um, it's a hard one, really, because at the same time, I think it's a bit of both. We, we both thought Boris Johnson's roadmap was fairly okay. It's just the realities of you give people a hand and everyone jumps on and tries to take the whole body. Um, really? Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, I mean, there were, there were fights, weren't there in, in certain areas in beer gardens where people were getting a bit drunk and rowdy and they started hitting each other. I'm not quite sure where it was, but I think they, um, they had to close. Most of the UK, I should think, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Burnley. No, I don't think it was, but Burnley, Burnley did have some busy pubs on Monday. I can assure you, I was working. And uh, there was a big queue the length of, I don't know, the Merseyside Canal uh, for one of, the, one of the pubs in Burnley. It was very interesting. Anyway, but it's a really tough one. And I, I don't have much sympathy for the government, but it's quite difficult, I suppose, when you're coming out of lockdown and you're trying to sort of, as I say, give that hand to some of the people and then they've, they've swallowed you so it's it, it can yeah. be it's a challenge anyway uh other other story uh yeah this is a well actually just 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 on top of that really pubs have now opened and being uh, sorry outside pubs have now opened hairdressers have now opened the busy i mean some of the hairdressers had queues a mile long as well by the way uh, the turkish barbers near me was huge but yeah i think um it it is nice to see a sense of normality in a sense before it gets ripped away again, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, this is a, just as a touch on the rest of the world as well. Canada now set for a new third wave um, uh, coming in. So that's another grim reminder of the realities that the world does face and the reminder that if we don't quite get this absolutely spot on, we could be facing something similar as well. Uh, Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think another tragic story, just you saying North America, South America, yeah. a lot yeah. of Brazilian babies are getting hit by COVID. There seems to be some unique strand in, in Brazil at the moment that is targeting newborns, which yeah. I think is absolutely terrifying within itself. And this is, I think, maybe runs parallel with Johnson's narrative yeah. of, you know, be a bit more careful because we don't know what's going to happen next. Sort of thing. Yeah. Also, just before we move on to the next section, uh, Greece are opening their borders for holidays for the whole summer. They only one of the few companies in the world or in Europe, sorry, that are doing just that. They said you only need a negative COVID test beforehand to get entry. Now, I can understand why they're doing it because they're a country that relies so heavily on the tourism economy. However, yeah. it could be... It could be a COVID swamp, couldn't it? It, it, it? It's just looking... Like, do you remember at the start of all this? And if no, you wanted to really. go to work, <laughs> the only thing they wanted from you was a temperature that was under 37.5 degrees or yeah. 38 degrees or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, the fact that you need a COVID test to get into a country now shows how far we've come. Yeah. or how far we haven't come. You know, it's up to you how you want to interpret it, that, mm. but I just, uh, my faith is not very strong when it comes to these processes, but we'll see how Greece pans out because I can guarantee you right now that those the, those flights, those hotels will be fully booked with Brits. Gone. They've already gone. <laughs> they've already gone. They're yeah, already yeah. booked. You know, I don't. We we don't even have to no. dwell on that point. We both know the I, sort of culture we it's, live in. It's so. difficult to though, isn't it, Adam? Because Greece, as I said, is a country so heavily reliant on tourism that it's literally facing financial collapse for this year unless it does something drastic. So basically, exactly. they are they yeah. are risking. It's it's the old, it's the narrative health versus financial health versus you know literal health, and they are desperate for a bit of a financial gain that they, they're risking. I suppose. Uh, a COVID, a COVID, uh, another big surge, which which is where it exactly would be if that's one of the few countries in Europe where people can go to. Anyway, exactly. Anyway, um, we'll move on to culture feature now. Uh, this has been this is just an excuse to split the big news story in half because obviously the Philip story has dominated the press, but in second place has been Mr. David Cameron and his, oh, uh, Mr. Cameron. Ooh, yes. Uh, Former British Prime Minister got elected twice, left prematurely on the second time due to a Brexit mistake that he made. But uh, just that small Brexit mistake, yeah. you know. Sorry, when I say mistake, I should say neutral. The small Brexit decision that he personally felt was a mistake, as did a large number of people in the country, but not everyone did. Um, you know, that's why that's why the Conservatives are still in charge, I imagine. Anyway, um, so we're going to go with British culture feature. And I suppose this does seem quite apt because it happens quite a lot. And this leads us into the big debate after, but lobbying, lobbying and Greensill, which isn't actually um, a British company, of course, but lobbying, oh. we'll go into lobbying oh. items. So what, what's lobbying? What it's been around for a long time, but specifically, how would you describe it? Lobbying. Yeah. Uh, so lobbying is, it seems as a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a low thing to do in politics. Mm. So um, lobbying is to seek to influence uh, normally a legislator 
uh, I can't even say that properly, a legislator Rather um, on me. an issue, yeah, on an issue that is currently going through a political body mm. uh, such as Congress, Parliament, well, in this case, it's Parliament, yeah. um, where, you know, and, and I should think Mr. David Cameron's been lobbying or, you know, throwing around his influence for certain financial, um, you know, because, you know, Greenwell is a financier, an Australian financier. Um, and so he's been going about <laughs> throwing his influence about as a former prime minister to get certain things through parliament that will benefit said clients, which will line Mr. Cameron's pockets with many, many British pound notes. So mm. that is lobbying. Yeah, well, well described in the context of what's going on now. Um, I think we can sort of just go straight into the debate off the back of that, because that was a very thorough definition. When we say uh, my sort of running thing is, generally, is the lobbying scandal actually so shocking? Now, it is, but when I say shocking, I don't mean bad. I mean, like, are we surprised at all? Because to be honest, no, I'm not in the slightest. Joe, lobbying is like what most bloody prime ministers do yeah. after the yeah. And, and this goes for former presidents, anyone who served in any sort of uh, cabinet, council, secretary, or wherever in the bloody whatever. Mm. You know, this seems like a natural transition for senior politicians. Mm. Because it is such a money maker, mm. and you know, Christ, even Boris Johnson has done similar things to lobbying. You know, Boris Johnson would get one hundred fifty thousand pounds per speech he made at some investment conference somewhere mm. in Brussels or wherever. Yeah. You know, um, these things. I'm, I'm not saying Boris Johnson has done that specifically, <laughs> but I can guarantee you that he has made speeches that he's yeah. charged six figures for. Yeah, you know. And lobbying is no different. Yeah. It is going around networking, throwing your influence about to make yeah. money, to talk to the right people, throw the right yeah. sort of things in the right direction. And before you know it, you made a few quid and it's in your pocket. None of this is surprising. No. No. Uh, like, yeah, it's scandalous, as is most things in politics when yeah. it comes to lobbying. Yeah. But is it shocking? Absolutely, I think no. not. No. No. And that's that. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I think I think they pulled this out because obviously David Cameron, upon going into his first election, you've probably seen the video, he was so adamant, you know what, we need to stop lobbying. It's atrocious. It's a shocking yeah. um, you know, thing that goes on in politics. And he made it a big thing during that campaign to cut lobbying out, which is quite funny um, when you see the irony of now. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do you think, though, that the reason why it's such a big story now in the media and why the Conservatives are jumping on it and saying, oh, it is shocking. It's because he's been out of office for such a long time. There's no way, if this was in the current office now, there'd be such a media furore around the whole situation because it just doesn't seem to fit the narrative. Everyone, if it was something now that involved high clients with members of the current political, current government, current front bencher and whatnot, there would be less made of it than there is with David Cameron because it does it would it's less damaging to the agenda. Do you not think that? I don't know. I don't know too much about lobbying in that that to make a substantial comment. But what I will say is that Cameron, his 
cards mark since Brexit. He was, yeah. you know, you know, rat sinking ship. You know, yeah, yeah. That, that that was the thing. So, do people want to jump on? Do the press want to embarrass him and destroy him? Of course they do. Of course, yeah. But I, I can't really comment to be honest with you because I haven't yeah. done that much prep or research. No, no. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, and I don't really want to say anything that's incorrect no. or not actual, you know, fake, etc., etc. Et Spoken like a true politician, there, Adam. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to say though that I suppose if you do look not too not too much into the recent past, actually. Matt Hancock was getting a lot of cosy deals with PPE for some of his mates, wasn't he? And there was a... Oh, Christ, yeah, contracting to your close exactly. mates. Yeah. nothing new. Yeah. yeah. It's been going on through this whole pandemic, but yet there wasn't such, uh, a, you know, an explosion in the media as such. It was there, but not to the extent of David Cameron's lobbying in this situation, which makes me think again, like I say, along those lines... Is it all about the fact that David Cameron, like you said, is sort of made his bed, he's not coming really back into the political stratosphere, so he's a target they can go with, they can hit him with a with a with a baton, essentially. Um it's something to pretty much does, not it? I think David Cameron's a joke. Um it is widely seen as a bit of a joke when it comes yeah. to the political sphere. Um, I think his cards marked when it comes to the Brexit deal, the fact that he just pissed off to Cairns to write a book, mm. and the fact he's fallen into lobbying despite his former comments. You know, none of it's surprising. It fits no. the bill. It fits yeah. his characteristics. And to be honest with you, mate, there's not much else I can really say on the matter. No. I would say, though, in, in general, lobbying is just surely a, an aspect of capitalism. I mean, it's something that even... Oh, and it's not just there. You think, let, let's just put it into a scenario we might have, right? When we went for the bail rig exec, or way back when, or when anyone went for the bail rig exec, right? It's a much lesser, you know, it's something with a lot less consequences than this, of course, because, you know, money's not involved, so to speak. But you go, we used to go for the bail rig exec and you'd get the station manager, the head of news, the head of whatever, and you'd all go for, you'd all run for an election, you'd all speak in front of a big group of people. How many times was it the best, was it that the best candidate got the position? And how many times was it that the candidate who knew the most people, who made people laugh, who, who was, you know, quite, he'd, he'd, he'd become friends with the exec before? How many times was it them that got it? Not because they were necessarily. Well, we all know. Yeah, we all know the answer to that. I think that's sure. pretty unanimous for most societies, yeah. isn't it? The most popular people normally land yeah. in positions, don't they? Not necessarily the most qualified ones. That's what I mean, but so, that, that's the starting point, isn't it? At university societies and in, even in school societies, it's not the person necessarily most qualified. It's the person who gets who knows the right people at the top, who's friends with those kind of people. Take that out of that stratosphere and you go into the real, you know, real world with jobs and whatnot. You're seeking a promotion, you're seeking a deal, a networking deal, a business deal. It's who you know within that. It's not how good your pitch is, how good you are. How many times I've been told in my life, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And this is a perfect example of it right from the top, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got very little time for politicians like David Cameron because of that very nature of mm. use what you got to get what you want, you know. Mm. And all I'll say on this, just, just to sort of counter it, if you were in that position and one of your close mates came up to you and said, right, I want you to help me out here, Adam. I, I think we can make a bit of a killing on the side. 
would you honestly say no? Or would you go and do the deal? It's not illegal, I don't think. I don't think it's completely illegal, um, depending on how you word it and how you, how you frame it. Would you say, you know what? No, that's a waste of money. I'm going to hire so-and-so who's going to do a much fairer job. Or would you say, actually, you know what? I'll let you off. We'll do a favour. We'll sort this deal out and we'll both do well from it. What would you do? I think from my personal experience this year where... Um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, my personal experience, and without saying too much, that would be damning to the future. <laughs> um, I don't think I could morally do that. No, fair enough. I don't think, you know, I've got plenty of friends out there, um, including yourself, where yeah. if I think you're crap at said job, I will tell you, regardless of whatever profit we would make yeah. out of it. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I'd rather have an honest friendship than make a ton of money lying to one another. You know, yeah. I, I think I've proven that point very firmly at the start of this <laughs> year. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I think, and I think I'll leave it there, Johnny. <laughs> that was really, that's really well put, actually. I did. I, I deliberately asked not very well for listeners. Not very well for listeners. I don't speak it in code there because I'm actually related to something that you know he used to do earlier in the year and maybe isn't doing now. But uh, you know, it was enough for me. That's why I asked the question. It was a, it was an inside little joke. Uh, I'll let you try and fill in the blanks. But essentially, Adam will not be. Um, you know, ar- arranging contracts for lots of money. Uh, he doesn't feel that's you know necessarily his kind of cup of tea. And fair play to that. And to be honest, I'm it's with you. Certainly not my line of work. Let's be honest. I'm I'm, I'm with you. Anyway, on to the American section. Um, so again, it's actually can you know I sort of touched on it with Canada, which is obviously not American, but Canada with the um, with the issue that they had of the third wave, which is really tragic. America not so much actually. I think the big story that came out um, really that I know to this week was the um, was the withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan, um, which is something President Biden's done. Um, he actually said it was something related to he wanted to do it before 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11. He wanted to pull all of the uh, he wanted to pull the troops out of Afghanistan because he felt that uh, sort of uh, the Afghans have the right to lead their own country. He wanted to get out of that situation in the, in, in that particular area, um, which is a bit of a, I suppose, I suppose a bit of a backtrack from his more gung ho approach to um, matters in the Middle East that we saw not too long ago. Um, thoughts on that generally? Good thing that he's pulling away the military action, or what? What are your thoughts generally? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's been a long time. Like anyone who's studied American involvement in Afghanistan and Iraq mm. since you know nine eleven, since the declaration dec- declaration on the war of terror by President Bush, will know that it was never a smart move no. to march in, in the first place. Mm. Um, it was more of a move based on retaliation. Uh, yeah, retaliation, the presentation of retaliation yeah. and a demonstration of American power after the tragic events of you know, the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. It's the fact that he's finally withdrawing it after, what, 20... Christ, how many years has it been? 20, 20 years. Yeah. 
a long time. Literally yeah, 20 years this year. Um, yeah. Long overdue. Absolutely the correct thing to do. Yeah. Because I think the most fundamental thing that um, the Western forces completely forgot, or not forgot, they never knew it in the first place. The yeah. thing that they hadn't assessed was tribal dynamics in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and how, you know, imposing democracy on a country built on um, tribal dynamics was never going to work, yeah. uh, despite their intention of, you know, retaliation to the, you know, frankly, inhuman and hard attacks on, you know, the World Trade Center and, you know, Pentagon and attempted on the White House. Like, it was, it was terrible, but it wasn't done in an appropriate manner and it certainly wasn't done in an effective manner. Yeah. And I think this is a general narrative seen from the war in Afghanistan, from those who served there and those who imposed policies there. So him withdrawing troops now is seen as a largely positive thing because it might be more effective mm. uh, to not show military force in that way, mm. you know. So, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know what whether what I've just said there is controversial or not, so I apologise if it no, has come I, across I, I, controversial. I don't, I don't think it was. No, no, I do apologise if it does come across as controversial to anyone listening to this, but I think, yeah, I think it's a generally positive thing because, you know... It, I spent a lot of time writing my dissertation about, you know, uh, tribal dynamics in the Helmand and Kanjahar provinces where a lot of American and British involvement happened and none of it was ever positive, you know, and I think that's the nature of war. And if, you know, American and British troops are not getting killed there anymore and innocent people aren't dying at the hands of Western forces there anymore, then that, that's all positive news to me. Absolutely. Uh, Obama's come out in praise of Biden's yeah. decision. After nearly two decades yeah. of putting our troops in harm's way, it's time to recognise that we have accomplished all that we can militarily. And that it's very diplomatic to- answer there, I must yeah. say. That it's time to bring our remaining troops home. You, you know, I think you're quite right there uh, with that. Um, certainly, uh, yeah, very diplomatic. And Biden himself, it's time for American troops to come home. It's time to end the forever war. Um, and as you say, yeah. for for uh, to mark 20 years since 9-11, I think that's quite a powerful and quite appropriate yeah. thing to do. Um, yeah. Putting those tensions, hopefully, never fully to rest, never fully to rest, but to a certain level of rest, I think. Um, yeah, it's such a controversial war, like, I don't think you can sit on either side of that fence and completely agree with the narrative, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. No. Anyway, no. Uh, in terms of uh, other stories that uh, came out in particular, um, slightly less um, good news on the COVID front. Apparently, roughly one in five Americans are unwilling to take the COVID-19 vaccine which is one in five is quite a lot when it comes to America. You're looking at a quite a few million. Um, I mean, was it 300 million that they're about? So you're looking at about, I don't know, 45 million people that don't want to take it. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of people. Uh, I mean, what do you do in that situation? Because we were discussing this, uh, no, 60 million. Sorry. We were discussing oh, okay. this actually last week and saying that in the UK, vaccine passports seem to be, well, seem to be a bit 
not really worth it because we're already kind of passing the herd immunity point with vaccines. We're already, most of us are already taking it. Of course, it might not protect us from all variants, but again, that that was irrelevant with vaccine passports, given that most of us will have already taken them. But in America, if there's such a number is 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 there and such a number aren't taking it, then surely vaccine passports come into effect then and you say, well, you know what? This isn't measure we actually have to do. I think, yeah, I, I think obviously in the American a sort of context, mm. I think it's probably quite fun in saying that conspiracy theory belief is far more ripe in mm. America than it is here. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist here. I've come across plenty of people who don't believe in COVID full stop. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think and with all due respect to him, I think this is still very much, um, you know, the, the trickling effects of the Trump presidency mm. still very much alive. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the lack of, not ability, but the lack of wanting to believe that said, you know, issues and, still alive you know and i mean they were they were still around before trump by the way they were just sort of oh christ yeah yeah. but trump perpetuated it very much so let's be honest you know yeah no yeah yeah yeah, i think it's very tragic to be honest with you yeah i think it's a it's a very negative reflection of the you know of american society no yeah i i absolutely agree it's not good uh particularly with a country with such a big population that is a particularly worrying thing um, and also in other sad news, uh, the George Floyd trial is still going on. Uh, and we found that uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, the man who who was accused, who, who murdered George Floyd, um, he's refusing to testify. Um, yeah. and it won't take the stand. Uh, to be honest, no. there's no... I, you know what? What can you say? I mean, his defense team tried to suggest that the George Floyd died of a heart attack, which was absolutely or, or, or died due to heart problems, which was absolutely non absolute yeah. nonsense. I mean, the fact yeah. that he doesn't want to take the stand. I mean, he must see that there's absolutely really no way out of this in in, in any form, in any way. No, he's made his bed. Yeah, when he, you know, when he, I th- honestly, I don't. Like you got to give it to his uh, defense team. They're obviously doing their job on his behalf, but they are. You know, like if I was on his defense team, you're literally trying to make a sandwich out of a couple of crumbs. Yeah. You know, like there's there's nothing there. There's no substantial defense. Yeah, and it, and it, and it just got worse this week because there's been another high profile uh, murder of a black person as well. I think uh, Dante Wright. I hope I'm saying that yeah. right. Dante Wright. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this one was bizarre. Again, it was a uh, murder at the hands of a police uh, lady this time. And she um, claimed to be trying to shoot him with a taser and accidentally shot him with a gun, which I think is one of the worst excuses I've ever heard um, yeah. from a police I officer. I saw a BBC article about this and it yeah. literally showed the, what was it, the Glock 19? Yeah. Police is, yeah. The police carry. Yeah. And, um, and the standard taser, you know, yeah. issued. Yeah. And you couldn't get two more different weapons i'm sorry but no oh no 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 absolutely not like come on man you, you've you've obviously absolutely failed your basic training yeah uh, so or you he, had the yeah. largest brain fart of all time yeah when uh, you came to pick the weapon 
Oh, yeah. Kimberly Potter, 48-year-old woman. She's facing a manslaughter charge. Um, I'm a, I mean, whether there's a suggestion that there's something mentally not right there, as is usually the case with manslaughter, remains to be seen. I, I don't know the lady personally. I don't know the ins and outs of this story completely, but, yeah, it's just another example, really, of the shocking brutality of... Uh, American police officers to work towards the black community, and it absolutely sucks. Some American police yeah, officers. Yeah, I've got to, yeah, want to yeah. emphasize. I think we should definitely emphasize that point because. And it's usually me who does that, isn't it? It's usually me who emphasizes that. Not everyone. Yeah, no, fair. I was in a rant mode there. Thanks, Adam. You brought me back. No, you no, no, no. I'm just protecting your ass, mate. It's fine. <laughs> All I'm saying is, yes, the tragic truth. The tragic truth is that most of these stories involve. Um, a black person being unjustly, unlawfully um, assaulted, prosecuted, yeah. whatever the word you want yeah. to put it for, yeah. by a white police officer. Yeah, And that is just the general truth of it. There is no debating that point. They, yeah. Those are fundamental facts. Yeah. Um, however, we don't want to sit here and say that all police officers are bad because that's no. absolute bollocks in itself. But what I've seen say, so yeah. many amazing Twitter videos, etc. of yeah. great coppers. Yeah. So I want to make that clear right now but there, there is something fundamentally flawed within that system oh absolutely so absolutely flawed. this is a this is a continuous cycle of um you know of of of, of human behavior isn't it yeah you know so yeah yeah uh on to some funny news stories now then um and just to continue the trend of uh what we discussed actually what i discussed with Gus and what i discussed with you there was another quite slightly amusing um take i mean coming off the back of that again it, it doesn't really seem appropriate to go with the funny news story section but it <laughs> often never does uh this is just sort of a different way to separate ourselves from from the tragedy of, of mainstream news and to to look at some different aspects and again end on a lighter note i suppose from 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 the, the grim realities of the world um last week and with with you adam and with Gus, we discussed Mr. Nigel Farage's cameo account. Oh, for crying out loud. I actually watched a few of those after last week. I was laughing my ass off. I know, it was. Uh, the thing is, though, the thing is, I think everyone's saying he's falling for these pranks because they're getting him. You know, if anyone's ever seen episode of The Simpsons where Bart rings up Mo and tells him, you know, he, he, he says prank names out, Mo says it out, and then Mo goes mad in the, in the tavern. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah, get yeah, you, yeah. Bart. Whatever. Farage is doing that. Everyone's laughing at Nigel Farage, but Nigel Farage is getting £75 each time someone makes him do that. So, as one of my friends said, it's one of the best marketing campaigns ever, isn't it? Because you let everyone go up and say, oh, look, Nigel Farage is an idiot. He's saying all these things. And then they say, oh, I'll make him say something funny too. Before you know it, he's got a, he's got a, a handsome amount of money in his bank account, hasn't he? Yeah, if you do a good evening of prank calls, the guy's made a grand tax free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is just that's just typical UK sort of behaviour. Well, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might have certain, certain current UK candidates, Adam, who we may oh, or may not know. Might, 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 might. Oh, might well. Well, just for clarity, just for clarity, we won't mention them. But UKIP is the it's sort of what would you describe it as a party in the in a well, politically correct way? Stands for the United Kingdom's Independence Party. Yeah. So I tell you, after Brexit, which has successfully happened, 
The UK is independent from the EU. Yeah. Let's just get that straight. The UK being the United Kingdom Independence Party still exists. Yeah. Still going. Yeah. And we have a person our age running for said position <laughs> who... Oh my god, like yeah, it's not it, yeah. I don't even know. Stop yeah. me now before I say something like I'm stopping you now. I'm stopping you now. You know what I'm gonna do, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna share the screen and we're gonna go on to Daily Mirror funny news stories because Yay. there's a, there's a man sense. Yeah, some people love the mirror like Adam. Other newspapers are available. I am not gonna list them all because I forget one. Man gets morph suit to be invisible during video calls, but it doesn't work. I'll watch don't. this. Absolutely hilarious. So, all right. A man left people cracking up after sharing his hilarious attempt to be invisible whilst his fiance was on Zoom calls for work by wearing a green morph suit. Adam, if you if you watched it, tell me what happened. Right. So basically, green screens. Uh, <laughs> you know, they yeah. exist. You know, to create a false background. Now, these are <laughs> the similar sort of technology. And, principle is used when you put a background yeah. on yeah. or yeah. when you put a yeah. zoom call on full stop yeah now this bloke had cottoned onto this so he'd ordered a green screen suit and decided that he could walk past his girlfriend who obviously has a um has a has a desk and works from a set location in the house which requires him to walk past it i don't know if that's true or not <laughs> but he bought it i've got the picture that is oh, so funny it is, it is. <laughs> but what he didn't account for is his face is still on <laughs> display. It is. It is. It's a poor, I mean, fair play for the ingenuity, but it, it looking a bit of an idiot, isn't he, in that green morph suit, I must say. A bit. He a looks little like bit. a fit. <laughs> yeah, he does look like a bit of a fool. Uh, although, I mean, it's a good, I mean, it's obviously gone viral on TikTok. Um, 30 million likes. Um, 30 million times, sorry, not 30 million likes. My God, that would be a lot. Um, yeah, it gets funnier every time I watch. It's quite amusing, to be fair. How many times did he do it, Adam? Like, quite, I imagine quite a few times, not just the once. Oh, I don't know. He did it once on the video, but I assume he does it daily. Oh, yeah. Well, he won't be now. Maybe he just does it for the logs. I mean, if you get, um, they get lots of likes <laughs> and lots of coverage, who knows? Anyway. Who knows, man? fantastic that's a that's a more light-hearted way to end if you want to see that video it'll probably be on all good streaming all good social media platforms i guess tiktok has it as well um yeah so thank you for listening or oh, like listening it's a difficult one because it has an s do you want me to take over mate you can do go on. it's your moment <laughs> to shine you've been building for this for a long time off you go yeah it's taken me 11 episodes man <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening, um, everyone. I hope you have a lovely rest of the week. Um, it's been Johnny and Adam, Adam and Johnny, doing Pints and Politics UK, sponsored by Big Heads Media. And we look forward to having you listen to us on our next podcast.